0: hello and welcome to the love key church message of the week love key church is a local expression of a part of the body of christ with a focus on creating a place opportunity and atmosphere through worship music and the word where people can encounter god align with his purposes reign in life and then help others to do the same my name is Heinz Winkler and together with my wife Aleta and our four children we recently launched Love Key Church right here in Somerset West. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this message. If you are in this area and you don't have a spiritual family, please feel free to join us Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. at 22 Dirkie A Street. We would love to welcome you there. Enjoy the message. Please remember to like, follow and subscribe and to share this with other people if you find that it is uplifting, encouraging and inspiring to you. Thank you so much. God bless you as you listen to this word. We, for those who are visiting, uh, we have been doing a series about encountering God. The three main values of our church is encounter God, align with His purposes, and reign in life. So what I'm trying to do is to establish what does this mean? Uh, what does an encounter with God entail? What does it mean to align with these purposes? What does it mean to reign in life? So we started a series about encounters with God. And we're looking at examples from the Bible, and I've shared some testimonies as well. We started with the story of Paul. Uh, It's called Kicking Against the Goads, which was a very interesting term um, that we delved into a little bit about what that means and gave an opportunity to say, when we encounter God and He shows us the truth let's not kick against the truth. Let's bend our will to the will of God. And then we talked about the amazing story of Jacob wrestling with God, wrestling with the angel, and all all of the stuff that came with that. And then uh, we spoke last week about Mary, and we spoke about faith, the facts, that the world says we need to face the facts that are in our lives. But Through her story, we know that even though the facts are that I am a virgin, that I do not have, there's no physical human possibility that I am pregnant, but when the Lord says you have a word to stand on, and that gives you, that faith can go against the facts. Today, I want to chat to you about the story of Joseph. Not Joseph in the Old Testament, (laughs) Joseph, the, the husband of Mary because he had one main encounter with God through an angel in a dream, and he had three others. He had, the Bible says in Matthew that he, has, he had four times he had dreams. How incredible is that? Um, so we're gonna focus on the main, the main one, and then we're gonna delve into the others as well. I'm gonna try my best to preach and do the AV. Let's see how that goes. I want to frame this a little. The title of today's message is The Power of Adoption. I have not been in the position of adopting a child, but we have close friends that have adopted two children and we know a few others. But there's something profound about what happens with an adoption. When a child that has lost one or both parents or has been abandoned and orphaned in some way, even a child that's maybe born out of wedlock or has been disowned or has gone through a divorce will have to a greater or lesser extent a struggle with their identity. Somehow this will impact them. There's an insecurity of fear and a lack of protection. But when a healthy, proper adoption can t- takes place, it can change all of that on a physical level, an emotional, a legal, and a spiritual level. And I think this is quite powerful. This is just in human terms. But similarly, we're all born into this world illegitimate children, in a sense, because we are born in sin. Romans, in, in Romans, Paul explains that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. We all need Jesus, all of us. We all need a Savior and a mediator to step in and pay the price so that our legal status can be restored from a spiritual orphan with no home or covering to being adopted sons and daughters of God. Amen? You guys agree with that? Some of you, all right. So we're going to look at the story of Joseph And it is found in Matthew. Interestingly, only Matthew writes about Joseph's encounters. Whereas, interestingly, only Luke wrote about Mary's encounter with the angel. Let us read it, then I'll provide a bit of context, and we'll delve into this, okay? So, if you have your Bible, you can go there, or just read on the screen with us. Matthew 1 from verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Now last week we looked at what does betrothed means. It means that there was a form of a dowry payment and she belonged to Joseph for at least a period of a year. This is in that time. Before they came together. That's Bible for you know what. She was found to be with child from the holy spirit and her husband joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly but as he considered these things behold an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream saying joseph this is important son of david do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and this is important as well, and you shall call his name Jesus. Um, For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, see, he's the first guy that was woke. Anyway, not funny, all right? When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. That's also important. He did as the angel commanded. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to Jesus. And he called his name Jesus. That is so powerful. Okay, so a little bit of context. Just before this this, uh, part of the story in Matthew uh, is, is written, we see that the genealogy of Jesus. And the writer of Matthew actually says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, comma, the son of David, Comma, the son of Abraham. So he sets that up front. Then he gives the genealogy and he tells us how is Jesus linked to all of these patriarchs. It gives the line of ancestors all the way through to Joseph. It's interesting to note. This was just a side thing that I noticed. Joseph's father, his name was Jacob. Do you know any other Jacobs who had a son called Joseph? Come on. That is interesting. Moi, <laughs> Leon. And he also dreamt dreams. That's quite a cool circle, I think. Anyway, it's not important. It's just interesting. Other noteworthy observations about Jesus' lineage is how full of broken people it was. If you look at the line of, of before Jesus, there's a lot of nonsense going on. I'm going to name but a few. Judah fathered uh, Perez with Tamar, who was his daughter-in-law. This is very well documented in Genesis 37. She dressed up like a harlot to seduce him, and she conned him. And a child that came from that is in the line of the king. Boaz was the son of Rahab, who was a prostitute in Jericho. David fathered Solomon with Bathsheba, who he had adultery with, and whose whose husband he murdered. And a whole line of kings who did what displeased God, despite many warnings from the prophets, was after them. So So much so that they ended up spending 70 years in Babylon. Now note, when we meet Joseph, what is he not? (laughs) Yes, but what else? He's not a king. He's not a king. From what we can tell in the Bible, he's a carpenter, blue-collared worker. He's not rich, seemingly, in worldly terms. But he's from the line of kings. But he's not, he himself is not recognized as a king. That is interesting. So you think your family is dysfunctional? There's a lot of nonsense that went on here. So Joseph is by blood, biologically and officially, part of the bloodline of King David. Matthew establishes for us. He shows the whole, well, scholars say there's a few um, generations that he skips, but he shows there's a a connection. Um, We do, however, find many of these in the so-called hall of faith. So many of these people that have brokenness in their lives made the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Why? Because of their faith. And that's Something that should encourage all of us, no matter how broken we are, no matter how, mistakes, how many mistakes we've made, how much issues there are in our families, our faith in Jesus and our obedience to His Word is the main key that matters. And by that, I'm not saying do what you want. <laughs> Obviously not. We need to just focus on that and not the past. Matthew states categorically that Jesus Christ is the son of Abraham And the son of David. How can this be? How can this be? How did it happen? How can Jesus have Joseph's lineage if he's not his biological father? And why would Jesus want to be in a lineage of such broken people? He's Jesus. He's God. Why would he want to be in a broken line of people? Let's have a look. So, let me just see if I have the scripture up there. So I'm going to give you a few Old Testament prophecies because we have to look at this to get the context because this has been coming a long way. All right. So first one, Isaiah 9, 67. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. Government, kingship, dominion. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon, listen, this is important, upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. That is where he will be. To order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This is a promise from God that this will happen. Jeremiah 23, verse five to six. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will saved. Will dwell safely. Now, this is his name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. He is our righteousness. Third one, Isaiah 11 1 2. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Jesse was his father, David's father. And a branch shall grow out of its roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Do you guys know what Jesus read when he got into the synagogue the one day? He read Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Do you see the correlation there? The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, says Isaiah here 50 chapters before. So here we find a man from the bloodline of kings Joseph but with no title and no kingdom to show for it but he is about to become the father of the of the king of the Jews of the king of kings let's just wrap our heads around that for a moment okay so Joseph has a claim to this line but he's got nothing in the in worldly terms to show for it but he is about to become the earthly father of the son of God (laughs) This is huge. So we find him in this situation. Now, his life is about to become quite complicated. He finds out that his young wife-to-be is pregnant. Now, there's no, there's no um, chapter or verse in the Bible that explains a conversation between Mary and Joseph. It just says here, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, okay? But I can only imagine how that conversation may have gone. Because, so, <laughs> I mean, he's got a, he's got a challenge. He's, she, they are betrothed, but they're not married. So that she is not allowed, technically, to be pregnant. If she's pregnant, people will assume that she has committed adultery. And they will stone her. That was what they did. So imagine this conversation. Mary comes to Joseph and says, so Joseph, we have to talk. And Joseph goes, yes, like every man out there that hears that line, we have to talk. It normally doesn't mean anything good, right? Come on, man, stand with me. And Mary would have probably said something like, I don't know how to tell you this, and there's no way to sugarcoat it, I'm pregnant. But it's by the Holy Spirit. I promise. Joseph, imagine you're Joseph and you're hearing this. We we know, I told you last week, that the time between when Isaiah predicted a virgin will be the mother of Jesus and when it happened was 735 years. Okay? That's how much time went by. Now, you're Joseph from the, from the line of kings, but you have nothing to show for it. You're betrothed to this woman. She's pregnant. What is the first thing that's going to pop in your head? You're not going to immediately think, oh, yeah, she must, be, she must be the one Isaiah talked about. I mean, in our humanness, we can understand Joseph's reaction. The Bible says because he is a just man, he wanted He didn't want her to be embarrassed, probably not be killed, so he decided to divorce her quietly or break the engagement. There's different translations say different things. Some say um, put her away, (laughs) some say divorce, some say break the engagement. So this is what he wants to do. And the Bible says as he is wrestling with this thought, he has an encounter with an angel in a dream. Now... It's interesting to note that Mary got the angel Gabriel to appear to her in person. Joseph gets an angel, we don't know who it is, in a dream. This is also how we can know that Joseph was older than Mary. Because Joel prophesied and said, old men will dream dreams. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's a little bit of Bible Bible humor. (laughs) So, a few things happen in the dream. The angel tells Joseph what happened and what he must do. So the angel gives him context. He tells him, listen, what Mary, because I'm assuming Mary told him. Listen, I am pregnant, but it's the Holy Spirit. And he's like, whatever. Now the angel comes and confirms this. Now, if an angel appears to you in a dream, you'll probably sit upright and go, okay, this, this must be real. So he has an encounter that changes his whole life. What happened, It tells him what happened and what he must do. The angel gives instruction. And the instructions are to marry a pregnant woman, which in that day and age was completely controversial, and adopt this boy or this child. That, well, the angel told him it's a boy, so he knew it was a boy. Adopt the boy who is not of his bloodline. But what happened in that moment? That, that scripture ends by saying he woke and did what the angel commanded him to do. So what that means is he took his, he took his wife, who was pregnant, and he decided to take on this boy. He adopted the boy. Before I'm, I'm going to come back to that point, but I want to also just quickly tell us about the other encounters, because we are talking about encounters, and I want to mainly just show you how God leads this man who he has given instruction. Matthew 2, 13 to 15. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Exactly the same way. So God is using the same way to communicate with Joseph, saying, Arise and take the young child, not a baby anymore, a young child, and his mother flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring word for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. This was when Herod was killing babies and young children all over the place. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. What's he doing? He's being obedient. He's having an encounter. He listens He responds, he obeys. Took them to Egypt and was there until the death of Herod. Now listen, this is also very important. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. These things are happening so that it'll line up with the prophecies from the Old Testament. The third encounter The third encounter is in Matthew 2 from verse 19. Now when Herod was dead, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream. What's happening here? The angel is being true to his word. He said that he will appear again if Herod dies, when Herod dies. To Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother and came to the land of Israel. Can you see the repetitive pattern here the God, God is leading he is responding in obedience and doing what he says and the fourth one it just uh, goes on from there it says but when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod he was afraid to go there and being warned by God in a dream He's being warned by God in a dream. This doesn't specifically say an angel appeared to him in a dream. It says he was warned by God. Some translations say he had a divine dream. He turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Can you see the pattern here? God spoke centuries ago. And now he is partnering with a man from a line of kings, but who has nothing to show for it. But saying to him, I'm giving you this responsibility to protect the mother of Jesus and Jesus himself. So let's look at these encounters. The first encounter, says, don't divorce. Take Mary and adopt Jesus. The encounter gives God God's truth despite the facts. So, once again, like last week with Mary, Joseph is faced with some facts. I have a betrothed woman who is pregnant, and I didn't do it. And he wants to, in a nice way, get rid of the situation. Because it's awkward, inconvenient, and controversial. Alright? That is where he's at. So the facts are one thing, but then God comes with His truth. And Joseph also has to faith the facts. And he obeys, despite what it might look like to other people. Because imagine, he's doing this now, but other people are still going to go, hmm, sorry, when did you get betrothed? She's showing, you know, people talk. You guys know. The second one is warning as a warning and an instruction to flee to Egypt. His life has become much more complicated than it was. Imagine he was just thinking, hey, I'll marry a young wife, have some children, and keep making, carpent- doing carpentry for the rest of my life, just here. He's had to move twice. He's fearing for his own life, for the life of his child, his, his, his young wife. His whole life has changed. It's upside down because he's being obedient. How many of you guys have ever stepped out on obedience thinking it's going to be Monskain and and very nice, and then it wasn't? Happened to us. Quite a few times. I've shared a bit of it with you. The great thing is that God doesn't leave Joseph hanging. He helps him. He guides him. The third encounter is an instruction to return to Israel. Once again, God is working through the man, Joseph, to protect and lead his own son. And then the fourth one is another warning that leads him to Nazareth, which is exactly where God wanted Jesus to be. Can you see how circumstances that seem to Joseph like life-threatening, difficult, controversial, uncomfortable situations is actually God guiding so that his word can be fulfilled? That's pretty amazing. There are some principles I think we can all take from this. And then I want to come to my main message. When God redirects our paths, Turn us from where we wanted to go to where he wants us to go, and when he gives us a purpose, or when he births something in us, He will protect us. And that purpose, or that thing that he birthed inside of us, he will protect it, because it's his word. He gave a word, He birthed something. He will guide and protect. But we need to stay in tune with Him. We need to stay in touch. Keep listening for His voice. Be open to these kinds of encounters where He will speak with us, and through dreams or thoughts or pictures, however you hear God, we all have our different ways of how we hear Him, experience Him. Some, For some, it's a feeling. For some, it's a picture. For some, it's a thought. And yes, some who are older, will have dreams. (laughs) Kidding. Um, And that, I find that quite amazing. The important thing there is for us is to listen and obey. Listen and obey. That is absolutely the key. All right. The The main message today is to talk about the power of adoption. It is prophesied in the Old Testament and confirmed In the New Testament, that Jesus is from the royal bloodline of King David. It's prophesied, it's confirmed. This has great significance for the Jewish people. Scholars believe that because of the way that Matthew is written, it was mainly aimed at the Jewish people. Matthew brilliantly divides his book into five parts the same way that the five first books of the Bible is divided. And he has teachings and practice, uh, practical points that he gives through the way he, he made it. So people believe that Matthew aims this book at the Jewish people. So he wants the Jewish people who knows that the Messiah will come through the line of David, that he wants them to see the connection and how important it is. In Matthew's account of the genealogy of Jesus, we see that Joseph, Mary's husband, comes from the kingly line. But... As I stated before, Joseph is not Jesus' biological father. He was immaculately conceived by the Holy Spirit. So, how can it be that Jesus is from the line of David? How is this possible? Anyone? The answer is actually quite simple. It's through the amazing power of adoption. It's through the power of adoption. I've done some digging on adoption, and it was actually not a thing among Jewish people. It was not widely practiced. It was not a legal thing. There's one or two instances where it, it took place. It was, however, quite a big thing in the Roman culture of the day. So the idea of adopting in the general public was known, but among the Jews, it was not widely practiced. But very interestingly, we find a huge example of the power of adoption in the Old Testament with Moses. Moses was adopted by the daughter of Pharaoh. He was breastfed by his own mother, by God's divine appointment. But once he was weaned, the Bible says the mother brought him to the princess and she adopted him. It actually uses that word. You may recall why he needed to be adopted at the time. Pharaoh was killing babies. Does that sound similar? What was happening in Jesus' time? Babies were being killed. Adoption saved Moses' life, who became the savior of his people of Israel. That brought them out of slavery and bondage. That's huge. I find it fascinating, humbling, and utterly astounding that the God of the universe loves us so much that he sent his son to die for our sins, that his son willingly humbled himself by leaving heaven, being born as a weak little baby who can't fend for himself, be raised by respected but basically working-class parents, only to be humbled even more by dying on a cross, naked and broken beyond recognition. And it was initiated by an earthly man, adopting the King of Kings into his earthly line of kingly lineage of broken, imperfect people, all so that it can be said that Jesus was from the line of David. Joseph's choice to adopt Jesus while he was still in Mary's womb, set in motion the story of the redemption of the people of God. We need to pause for a moment and recognize this because there's a reason why God did this. God does nothing without a divine purpose. He has planned everything, put it into a perfect Position, But he is working always through the lives of people. People that by him is found just, righteous, and that will obey. Why do you think this is so? Why do you think God has caused this to happen this way? Perhaps he wanted us to understand how much he values adoption. How powerful it actually is. Perhaps he wanted the Jews and Gentiles alike to see what adoption can do. I want to now take us to some other scriptures in the New Testament. And I want my, 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 my heart and my focus is that we will all start seeing this connection with the power of adoption. So let's read this together. Galatians 4. From verse 3. Even so, when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. I said that earlier as well. We are born into a broken, sinful world as sinful people. If you think that people are born without sin, just talk to any parent with small children. They will tell you. (laughs) They do not come out wanting to please you. They do not come out having manners. They do not come out doing everything right. They need to be taught. They need to be disciplined. They need to be loved and protected into maturity. It's a process. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. Listen to this. Born under the law. To redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption. As sons, that includes the women, please. Sons is a spiritual term. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. This is huge. Ephesians 1, 4-6, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, let that blow your mind for a moment, before the earth was created, He chose you. That we should be, this is what He chose us for, that we should be holy without blame before Him in love. Listen to this, having predestined us, it has happened. He has predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise, the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. No one is getting excited about this. I am very excited about this. Romans 8 from verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. If you are led by the Spirit, you are a son of God. For you did not receive the Spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the Spirit of adoption. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit Himself Bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit communicates with your spirit and confirms you are a child of God. And if we are children, listen to this, guys, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him that we may also be glorified together. Do you feel like you are suffering for Jesus? There is glory waiting. But the point here is we are adopted, we can call him Abba, Father, Papa, Daddy. That is who he is to us, he's a good father. And we are no longer slaves to fear or sin, but we are adopted into his family. Romans 8, verse 28 to 30. And we know that all things work together for those who love God, to to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. Who he called, he also justified. And who he justified, he also glorified. That should be a song. I like that. Guys, I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you and it's maybe a lot to take in, but remember the title, the power of adoption. I want you to to just let that sink in, the power of adoption. I believe when reading all of this stuff, when going through this, God allowed his son to be grafted into the prophesied lineage of King David so that he could legally bring redemption to that lineage so that he can sit on the earthly throne of the king of the Jews to ultimately establish his heavenly kingdom. Remember his first words when he started his ministry, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Romans 8 verse 29 has a significant verse that I just shared with you. It says that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Paul states this, And in his birth, he was adopted as a foreshadow of how he will be the key to us all, Jew and Gentile alike, being adopted into God's family to become legitimate children of God. Once cut off by sin, all of us, alienated by the world, now through the redemptive redemptive blood of Jesus and by his example, he led by example, the firstborn of many brethren, Adopted by an earthly father to show us the power of adoption. We have access to being sons and daughters of the living God. We are no longer slaves. We are no longer orphans, but legitimate heirs, joint heirs with Jesus. Come on. This is huge, guys. A child abandoned by parents or, 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 or disowned or cut off in some way from their family, they will drift without covering or protection from a father. It will become their identity. It will become a chip on their shoulder, something to deal with, something to handle. But if that child is legit legally adopted, everything changes. Everything changes. They take on the name of the father. They have access to the estate of the family. They become legal heirs. Not just that. They will get physical covering and protection. They will be fed. They will be taken care of. There's support. There's guidance all of these things happen when we adopt in an earthly way. And we need to know that there is a spiritual significance to this. Good friends of ours have adopted two little girls. And he shared with us once that they tried and tried and tried and tried, and they couldn't get children. And he went up on a mountain. They were there, I think they were there together praying. and Well, he was on his own. And he was praying, crying out to God, God, why do you not want to have my children? And he felt God asking, why do you not want to have mine? <laughs> and that was the, the key for him. And his testimony, I actually I asked him to, to send a video of his testimony, but he, he just got back from a big trip. He didn't have time, but I will maybe share his testimony a bit later with you guys. But he, he says, This is exactly what God ministered to him when they were going through the adoption process to show that Jesus told them, I was adopted because I wanted you to know the power of adoption because you all have to be adopted into God's family and need to know what the power of it is that you are, when you are adopted, you are a son, you are a daughter. There is no longer any reason why you need to doubt that you are. You do not need to approach him as an orphan with an orphan spirit. That has changed. Maybe you have doubts, moments where you don't know if it's true, or you feel like, oh, I'm not a son anymore because I sinned. No, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can change your sonship once it is established. The power of adoption, that is what Joseph did. When he had to face the facts of a pregnant fiancé, the potential public embarrassment or public stoning of the woman he wanted to marry. But despite that, despite what it looked like in reality, he believed God. And he had faith in the word of God and he obeyed. That decision protected the son of God and guided him safely back to Nazareth so that he can fulfill his God-given mandate. And amazingly, part of that mandate was to die on a cross to save the world and be the key to the adoption of every believer. He was adopted so that we can be adopted. Joseph adopted Jesus into an earthly line of kings so that Jesus can become the legitimate king of the Jews and ultimately the king of kings. What does this mean? What does this mean to us? How do we apply this to our lives? Firstly, I want to say, we don't even need to think of how this applies to our lives because we always want to do that. And sometimes we just need to go, God, you're amazing. I love you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being who you are. So for a moment, let's not make it about us and just praise and honor God for how much He loves us, for how alive His Word is, and how the fact that He adopted us out of fear, not out of, sorry, The fact that He adopted us out of fear, out of illegitimacy, and has made us co-heirs with Jesus. That is amazing. Can we just say, hallelujah, praise God, thank you Jesus, that's amazing. And yes, secondly, obviously, there are things that we can apply to our lives. We can know by the Holy Spirit, speaking to our spirit. Remember that scripture that says, His spirit speaks to our spirit, that we are now adopted. We can know by the Spirit that we are children of God. And this has a huge implication for our identity for the future. And mainly, it just gives us that opportunity to say, Abba, Father. How many of you guys, before you were married and when you got married, had a a challenge starting to call your mother-in-law mom and your father-in-law dad? It takes a bit of time, right? There's a few awkward moments. You want to say Tani and um, but it's like, no, 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 it's now dad, it's now, you know. This is, this is something of that. Something of that is where we still feel, I think we, some of us know cognitively, yes, I'm a son of God, I'm a child of God, I'm a daughter of God. But we haven't fully grasped the weight of it, the truth of it, the fullness of it. And when we go to God, we, we, we struggle sometimes to, to say, Abba, Father whatever you it 's not about the specific word it's about the intentionality it's about the motivation of your heart. how are we approaching him? Are we approaching him as the truly adopted children that have full legal rights, full access to the father or is there still this part where you make yourself illegitimate because of what you think you've done or what you think you're thinking wrong or Some of us are overanalyzing ourselves all the time and going, am I still worthy? Am I not worthy? Am I this? Am I that? And we are fighting these battles. Why? Because there's an enemy out to kill, steal, and destroy, trying to dissuade you from who you are in Christ. And he would like nothing better for you to not believe that you are a legitimate child of God. So from these scriptures and from the example of Jesus, we can know that we are fully adopted children of God if we have decided to follow Jesus, if we have confessed with our mouths, believed with our hearts that He is the Son of God, that He died on a cross, rose from a grave for our sins, and that He has made a way for us to connect to the Father. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And today we need to know that He did that by being an example for all of us by being adopted, to show us the power of adoption. You can know that if you have given your life to Jesus, if you're a truly born again, saved, baptized with water and Holy Spirit and part of a local church, and you're an obedient child of God, trusting him, following him, that you have been adopted just like Jesus was, the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. If he was adopted, you can know that adoption is powerful. I would like us to take a moment and just reflect on these things. So please, uh, just close your eyes for a second. I wanna give a chance for us all to just think about this. I know there's a lot of distractions going on right now. Maybe you're even thinking of everything you need to do after church. But can we just take a moment where we think about how we see ourselves when we stand before God. Do I really know deep down that I am a child of God? The same way that your child will, can come into your room in the middle of the night and know that you won't scream at them, shout at them, show them away, but you will help them if you have to, you will help them as they are need need help that is the way that you can approach God you are not a nuisance you are not a burden you are loved you are accepted you have been called you have been predestined you are called holy and blameless Because of what Jesus, the firstborn of many brethren, has done. His path on earth started with His own adoption into an earthly family. For Him to redeem that. And for His blood on a cross and His resurrection to become the key to unlocking our sonship into heaven. It is done. It is fulfilled. We do not need to doubt. We can stand on His word that we are adopted. If anyone here today realizes that maybe they are not sure of their situation of being adopted because they actually have never given their lives to Jesus. I want to give an opportunity why every eye is closed, if anyone wants to make a decision to say yes to Jesus today, please raise your hand right now. okay if anyone has given their lives to Jesus but they are not sure they feel this constant feeling of uncertainty about their status as a child of God if you will will you raise your hand All right. thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Lord God We want to honor you and worship you and thank you that you are a good father, a holy father who has called us, who has given us identity, who has given us purpose and direction. We want to praise you, honor you and worship you for that. I thank you right now, Lord, that you bless every person in this place, that you bless every marriage, every family, every child, every household, that you protect them strengthen them and guide them. Lord, I ask that for all of us, that you will speak clearly and that we will hear you clearly and that we will have the strength to be obedient. I thank you, Lord, that we can ask these things of you and know that you will help us in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church message of the week. We trust that you found that encouraging, inspiring, hopefully challenging in a good way, and that you will come back next week to listen again. We want to invite you once again, that if you are in the Helderberg area and you're looking for a spiritual home, to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 22 Durkee A Street. May God bless you and keep you and make His face shine upon you and your family. Bye-bye.